We are in the um, fifth week of this series on prayer, and today is going to be a little different um, than what normally happens, but just to get everybody caught up on where we're at so far, um, we, have, we have gone through Jesus's teachings on prayer, and we also looked at a um, what hopefully was a very helpful prayer of Jesus's. Um, last week that hopefully helps you out as you've experienced some of the things that Jesus experienced in his prayer. But in Jesus' teaching us how to pray, um, and it's interesting because being taught how to pray implies that many of us are praying wrong, which nobody likes to be told, but I I didn't say it. Jesus said it, you're praying wrong. Um, Here's how he said you should be doing it. First of all, there's the where, that you need to get away from everything. If you wanna pray the way prayer was meant to be experienced, you can't do it in the hustle and bustle of life. You've got to set out a place for it. Um, The second thing he talked about was the words aren't important. What you say isn't important, which led to a whole nother set of questions. But he says, first of all, here's what you need to do. You need to recognize who it is that you're talking to. Um, Many of us, we've got like this idea of like, God is kind of this, many of us grew up in church. And so God's kind of just this always there kind of thing. So sometimes we pray or maybe all the time we pray and we don't really take time to understand who it is we're actually addressing. Because if you did, you should rightly be a little scared. Um, And if you're not a little scared in prayer, you might not be doing it right. Um, But he said, after you recognize who you're talking to, and this is really the important part, you're to surrender your will to his will. Um, which is the part that most of us skip because we're not interested in his will as much as we're interested in him um, doing what it is that we want him to do, which is in line with our will. And so we spend most of our prayer life as Christians trying to pull God over into our thing and getting him to do what we want instead of allowing him to pull us into his direction. And so he says, once you've surrendered yourself to his will, which for some of us might take months and years to actually get to the point where they do that, then, then recognize your dependence. That everything you have, everything you are, everything you're being saved from, you are dependent on God. And then he gave us a parable that was really a, a troublesome one if we look at aspects of it honestly. But basically his idea was, is once you are in line with God's will, ask and don't stop asking. He basically said, bother God until God has no other choice but to answer you if for no other reason than to get rid of you. That's essentially the parable that was put out. If you've got a problem with that recap of it, I suggest you go back, listen to week three um, and give me a chance to explain it a little fuller. But what I wanna do today is this. What I wanna do today is instead of me standing up here and talking to you about the theoretical ideas of prayer, um, which may help to some level, but on another level, there's probably... um, there's probably an element of people saying, well, you know, Andy, you know, it's your job to pray. Like you get paid to do that. Like pretty much we're sure, pretty sure you only work on Sunday mornings. And so the rest of the week you should be praying. And so you telling us about it, I mean, you know, that's good for you, but we're in the real world. Um, and I get that. And so instead of just me up here telling you from the, you know, the pastor's point of view, how it should be, um, I wanted to give you an opportunity to hear from real people, Right because I'm not, you know, when it comes to some of these issues, it's, it's easy to not look at the pastor as a real person um, doing life. And so what I have asked is for three of our um, members who are involved in our prayer ministry to come up and just talk about their experience with prayer. 
And so the first one, I wanna invite uh, Avril to the stage. Come on up. Now, there are some people um, who are terrified of public speaking and don't wanna do it at all costs. And then there's others who um, on a weekly basis are like, when do I get the microphone? <laughs> Avril's a when do I get the microphone um, person. Uh, but, but Avril came to me two and a half years ago, it was about, and was like, I think that I may want to help start a prayer ministry, which is a lesson to everybody in tapestry because we, you started it, right? It's a lesson because if there's something you think tapestry should be doing, I probably agree with you. So do it. <laughs> And we'll help you do it. Um, but uh, I've asked Avril, she kind of heads up the prayer team um, to spend a few minutes telling us about her experience with prayer. Thank you, Andy. You're welcome. <laughs> I do. I love having the mic. So this is awesome. <laughs> um, so for those of you who don't know me, my name is Avril Hall, and I have been attending Tapestry for about three and a half years with my husband, Jeremiah. He's down front. <laughs> and our daughter, Calliope. And I'm really, really excited to have a chance to just share a little snippet of my prayer journey with you guys. And if anyone wants to know any more, I'd be happy to talk about it. I could talk for hours. Um, so basically where I'll start off is saying that for most of my life, I didn't pray. Um, I did grow up in a Christian home, um, but it was a pretty intense beginning with Christianity in, in my life. Um, we were, my family and I were a part of a huge mega church. It was probably even bigger than a mega church. Like we lived on campus and we lived in dorms and there were small groups every night and there, my parents went to classes. And so we just were immersed in it every day. And, um, and it was in the beginning good, but as leadership started to change and power started to change, the beliefs started to change and actually just kind of went downhill, in my opinion, in my mother's opinion, too. And, um, and so to add to that, I had a biological father who was kind of abusive with religion. So that just kind of sets the stage for what my beginning um, interpretation of Christianity was. And it was not something that I wanted to lean into at all. It was definitely something that I was like, no, thank you. Um, there was no genuinity that I saw. There was no trust. It was just really about power and abusing the power. And so I just shut the door on it. Um, and I just kind of lived life to me, just normal. Um, I did believe in God. Somehow that, that stuck. And then when I did pray, I prayed to God. So that's just to set the story of how um, my childhood into teens and young adulthood was. And so in my teens, like when I actually started to pray for things, it was literally things that I wanted. Like Andy talks about it all the time. Like I literally would be like, please God, let me pass this test that I didn't study for. Please, God, let me get home safely after drinking a lot. You know, things that, like, basically, I was like, please just let me have the best life ever. And, um, and that was it. I didn't even know it should be any other way. So it's really exciting to hear how wrong I'm praying. <laughs> um, so basically, there were two pinnacle moments in my life that really drew me into prayer, and um, the first one was in my 30s. So really, it wasn't until in my 30s that I started to 
uh, pursue faith. And so in my 30s, my husband and I moved to New York City, and I was um, hanging out with a couple of friends who um, were very much living their faith in the most beautiful way. So assume the absolute best of these people. And um, I had been bound by a lot of issues, you know, growing up the way I grew up, there was so much insecurity and there was so much of just not knowing who I was and trying to seek that through anything but my faith. And so I, you know, when I am going through something really intense, I, I process out loud. I like to tell my story over and over and over again. And so I was telling my story again to my two friends. And before I was about to leave, they were just like, can we just pray with you? And I was like, what? No, 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 no. Oh my gosh, no, that is weird. Like, absolutely not. Like, I know I love you guys, but no, please, no, 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 please. I don't want to pray together. No. And so literally I was like, no. And they were amazing. They were like, oh, absolutely. <laughs> They're like, no problem. And so I was like, listen, why don't you guys just pray for me after I leave? I know I need prayer. And so that was at least something. Because at that point, I basically had just sort of cracked open the door to faith. So I, it was all weird to me. I mean, I, I was just like, I'm just here. That's, that's all I can give you right now. And so, um, so I left. And as I was walking home, I sort of chuckled to myself and said to God, wouldn't it be funny if like I ended up loving prayer and everything that it encompassed and I'm just sort of giggling to myself and um, that moment stands out so clear in my mind because I think God was actually saying oh just wait <laughs> so um, fast forward a year we're still in our early 30s in New York City and um, the the second moment <laughs> was within my marriage and Jeremy knows everything I'm going to say, so just uh, just know, like, he's in on this. <laughs> um, so, and his name's Jeremiah. I call him Jeremy. I'm going to be going back and forth between Jeremy and Jeremiah. It's the same man. <laughs> um, so, um, Jeremiah and I met in 1997 at TGI Fridays in Cleveland, Ohio. Yes, thank you. He was a buster and I was a hostess and he was literally like the cutest boy I ever saw in my life. Like I walked in and I'm like, oh, like you are cute. <laughs> and he still is. Um, and so, um, oh, now I'm all, I gotta find my place. Let's talk about my husband. Um, and so um, I will say we dated for seven years before we got married and there was from the beginning nothing Christ-centered about our relationship at all, and that was seven years plus into our marriage. So as you can um, predict, that led to a lot of issues in our marriage. And so um, when I approached Jeremiah um, about faith kind of early on in our marriage, um, he stated that um, it's a very private thing for him and that he was a faith-based man, but that he had no desire to be public about it or to even talk about it. And so to be like newly married, I'm still dealing with a ton of insecurity. I'm in my early 20s. I'm, I'm like trying to, um, you know, kind of figure out even what faith means. And so 
I like that bummed me out. I was like, oh my gosh, that was just kind of like a rejection right there. And it was so hard to understand because Jeremy and I, we had so much love between us and there was so much connection and we loved doing things together. And I, I love talking to him about everything. And so to have something that kind of started to feel important to me that I couldn't even talk to him about, he just kind of like was like, nope, not right now. It, um, it actually it built up a wall between us for a little bit. And I had to really wrestle with that because, um, you know, it wasn't about like walking away from my marriage or anything like that. It was just this something that I wanted to connect so badly with my husband with. I just couldn't at that time. And so I had to just sort of set that aside and move on and kind of, it was actually probably the first moment of faith because I just had to move on and just believe that at some point something would change. And then, um, and then as time went on, it turned from like, that's a bummer to like loneliness because I started to feel called even more to deal, delve into my faith and it still wasn't something that um, we were talking about. I mean, I'm ta- we never talked about God, Bible, no prayer, nothing, not even praying before dinner. We just, it wasn't what our life was about before we were married, so it wasn't what our life was about after we were married. And so after I moved to New York City I, and started to be exposed to prayer and to um, start tiptoeing back into my faith, I, I started to pray. I didn't pray right at all. I didn't even know there, I mean, I just was like, hey, God, <laughs> do you and me, like, can you just work in our marriage? But it was something that I pursued, and I pursued it, and I pursued it. Not every day, but it was a part of whenever I prayed, I just prayed over our marriage. And for somehow God to unify us in faith, opposed to, like, pushing us apart. And so um, <laughs> it's just, it's amazing to see how prayer will literally, like, well, Andy talks about it, how it'll change you. Like, I stopped picking fights with my husband over nothing because I just wanted to talk about prayer. And I started having more peace and just stillness inside of me to where I could just listen and actually just connect with him and just listen to him. And and it helped me love him better. And regardless of what we weren't or weren't doing, that in itself was drawing us closer together. And then after some time... He started coming to church. And then after some time, we started getting involved. And we did set up and tear down. And we did audio and visual. And we did it together. And then there just seemed to be more understanding between us. And then about a year after all of that, we attended our first small group. And that was huge for us because that was literally putting us in a situation where we're like, we're going to talk about faith. And I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, we're going to talk about faith. Like God was literally answering my prayers right before my eyes. And, you know, talk about seeing God work. I can't ignore it. And so since I can't ignore it, I just am going to lean into it and just be like, okay, God, you got this. <laughs> um, and then the biggest moment for, for me, and I'll say for us, I'll speak for Jeremiah. <laughs> Um, after coming home one night from small group, I kind of took every ounce of courage or whatever you want to call it that I had, and I turned to him and I just said, can we pray together? And keep in mind, for 15 years, we had never prayed together. And without hesitation, he said yes. And so <laughs> talk about like 
getting to connect in a way with like the person that you love the most and to sit down and together turn to God and say, okay, God, not our will, but yours. I mean, oh my gosh, it was, I mean, I'll never forget it. It was the most incredible moment ever. And, um, and it was, that was like the beginning of a new chapter in our marriage. It was almost like we were one way before and now we're another way. And I know that sounds dramatic because sometimes you don't want to change things about yourself, but all the good stuff came along and some of the stuff that wasn't great got better. And so I'll just tell you guys, I know like I came to Annie and I talked about starting a prayer ministry. I had no idea what that looks like. I've never actually been a part of a prayer ministry. All I know is that through prayer, God changed my life. And um, prayer isn't easy for me, um, especially praying out loud. Um, I get really nervous, and my heart starts beating, and I start to sweat, and I have to be like, okay, okay, okay I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. Um, if you're ever with me in prayer, you'll hear me just be like, okay, let's pray. <laughs> um, you know, also, what comes along with prayer is sometimes feeling embarrassed, um, feeling like or worrying if people are going to think you sound stupid. Um, do you sound, like, do I sound naive? Um, do people hear what's really in my heart? Am I being misunderstood? Am I going to cry? Of course I'm going to cry. Um, is that going to distract people or make people not take me seriously? I mean, these are just things that you face whenever you sort of step out boldly in any way in front of people. And so I'm not even going to pretend. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't come easily. Um, in fact, when I came to Andy to ask him if we could start a prayer ministry, a part of me was like, maybe he'll say no. <laughs> he didn't. He didn't. He was like, great. I'm like, okay. <laughs> he did, however, partner me up with Karen, and that's been amazing. Karen and I have been praying together once a week, every week for two years, and then Thelma came on board about six months ago. And I can't even tell you guys, praying with people, I know like praying intentionally by yourself, just with God, that is that is it. But praying with people, there's, there's nothing that's more powerful sometimes in those moments. And when you walk away, the unity that you feel, it's incredible. You know, when it comes to prayer, do I get it wrong? Yes. Do I sometimes get it right? I think so. But all I can say is that the reason I really love prayer is because it changed my heart, it changed my marriage, and it really just changed my life. Thank you. That was pretty good. I thought we might have to start some playoff music, but you, uh, you, uh, you, you did pretty good there. I'm proud, I'm proud of you. So next, I would like to welcome up to the stage Thelma. And Thelma, um, man, Thelma's been with us a long time. I can't even... Heck, what's two? Tech was two. Oh my gosh. So nine years, Thelma has been a uh, part of the church. And she, as Avril mentioned, she has been um, joining in with the prayer team. Um, and so I asked Thelma if she'd, she'd talk a little bit. And so we got together um, this week and um, started talking over some ideas. And um, we really focused on how prayer has changed for you over time, um, but specifically kind of when you got to retirement. Um, yes. 
Yeah, so tell us a little bit about, about that. Well, prayer has always been a big part of my life. But like Andy said, I prayed. I had a wish list. My wish list was things that I wanted, and I wanted God to bless my things. He was God. He could do anything, so why not just bless my my list? It wasn't a criminal list. It was, (laughs) (laughs) you know, it was things that I wanted. I wanted to help people after I helped myself. Um, And that went on for quite a while. And then as I got older, I um, started praying different. I started um, um, asking God. I still have a wish list, but it's changed. My wish list now is that I ask for his wisdom. I ask for his strength. And I ask that the Holy Spirit would convict me whenever I do something that I shouldn't do. And he answers. There was one time um, I was at a, we, I celebrated my 50th high school reunion this past June. I know it's hard to believe, <laughs> but 50 years. And we were having a meeting, and one of the ladies who was taking up the money for a dinner cruise, this was our third time giving her money, and she didn't give us a receipt. So I kind of blessed her out about it right there <laughs> in front of everybody. And the next day, the Holy Spirit convicted me that the way I approached her was not the right way. So I had to apologize. And that was hard to do, to apologize to somebody when, you, when I didn't really think I was wrong, but... <laughs> <laughs> I, it was just how I approached her. So God did answer. The Holy Spirit did convict me. After all, that's what I prayed for, that he would convict me when I did something wrong. And he did. And I had to apologize to her. But she showed me a lot more grace than I showed her. She didn't, she didn't bless me out like I did her. But anyway, that, that shows me that God does listen, and he does answer prayers. And my prayer life has changed because now, like I said, I pray for his wisdom. I I still pray for the safety of my family and my loved ones. But now I pray that he guides me to do whatever it is that he wants me to do, not what I want to do. I'm trying hard to surrender to him because I know he loves me and he answers prayers if my prayer is in alignment with his word. And I just can't see any other way of pleasing God than being in prayer, asking him to bring me closer to him. And now I pray that my family would find the joy and learning more about God. Coming up, I didn't know there was so much joy in, in learning about God. Now that I'm older, it's, it is a joy that is hard to explain unless you really, really pray and ask him to guide you. 
Now, you had a specific prayer when you were getting ready to retire about what would happen after that oh, retirement date. Yes. And then God changed that. Tell, yes. tell us about that. Well, uh, before I retired, I prayed. Um, I kept looking for a job because I, didn't, I don't like housework, and I didn't really <laughs> want to stay home and do housework. So I thought maybe if I could get a part-time job, maybe go in it. 10, go to lunch at 12, get off at 2. That, you know, that would work for me. That worked for me too. (laughs) Yeah. So, but then after I retired and I found out that I could make it on my own, God God made it possible for me to pay all of my bills and I didn't have to go to work. So then I prayed, God, all I want to do is serve you. Let me serve you. He listened. He answered it. He, he led me to Bible Study Fellowship. And after going there a year, the teaching leader asked me about being a leader. And I said, oh, no, that's not what I want to be. I, I, don't, I don't think he wants me to do anything like that. So she <laughs> said, um, tell him I don't know why you don't. You don't have small kids. You don't have sick parents. I don't know why you don't want to serve God like that. That was it. I said, I'm in, I'm in. So now I'm a teaching, I'm a, I'm a teacher leader in the group. And it's just amazing because I just know that was something I would never be able to do, not to get in front of several women and, and lead them. That was, you know, 20 years ago, five years ago, I didn't think I would be able to do anything like that. But he does it for me. So if you could go back to young Thelma and tell her one bit of advice as far as prayer goes and as far as what, you know, when you were young, how you viewed things Uh and how your church experience was, what's one thing you would tell your younger self um, about prayer? I would tell my younger self that it's not all about me. It's surrendering to God, and he'll take care of everything for me. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, though. We appreciate your time. All right. Now we've, we've, saved, we've saved it for the last. We've saved the best for the last, Miss <laughs> Karen. Not that you weren't the best, Avril. <laughs> but Miss Thelma has been with us at Tapestry since before there was Tapestry. Or Miss Karen, I'm sorry, yes, Miss Karen. See, she's been here so long, I know her name well. But before there was even Tapestry, when it was just an idea in a living room, um, and there was what, six of us, um, and we didn't even have a name, we didn't know what we were doing, um, Karen was a part, and she has been the kind of the the thread that has run through everything that we've done. So Karen, come on up. Um, And so I couldn't imagine um, letting anyone um, talk about prayer and Ms. Karen not being one of them. So there you go. (laughs) All right. I'm going to try to talk really fast because we need to make up time here. Um, So hold on to your hats. 
Um, Andy has given us um, some essential aspects of prayer, and I would like to expand some on what he shared. One of the things he talked about was Jesus' instruction that we need a special place to pray, which he mentioned earlier. Years ago, I read a Christian fiction novel um, that described a woman who was a true prayer warrior, and she placed a chair in her closet, and that became her place of prayer. So that closet really became holy ground. I tried to model this in my closet, and it really helped me to focus my prayer life, but I have to admit that that hasn't remained um, true for all this time. I've kind of had to move my uh, prayer place uh, around. Um, I have a friend who um, she reported that the only place that in her house where she felt that she would be able to be left alone for her prayer time was the laundry room. So she prayed sitting on top of her washing machine. And if the washing machine was running at the same time, it was kind of a bumpy ride. (laughs) You can expect it to be challenging to find a place and a time for prayer. Ephesians 6.12 tells us that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Satan would like nothing more than to interfere with your intimate prayer time with God. And he would love to deceive you into thinking that it's not important. Do not let Satan discourage you. Stand firm and don't give up. I want to share a testimony about how God can speak to us in the quietness of our hearts and answer prayer even though we may not have even lifted up that request. Several years ago, I was visiting my parents in Nebraska for Christmas, and my dad had developed kidney disease, and he'd been on um, dialysis for a few years. Two days a week, he would go for treatment at 5.30 a.m. and not return until later in the morning. I could see easily how this was impacting the quality of his life, but he was a trooper, and he seldom complained. Because of his age, he was not eligible to be on the donor list. One night during that visit, God suddenly woke me up and clearly said, Karen, you can give your dad a kidney. And no, this was God speaking because I'd never had that thought before. This was an answer to a prayer that I hadn't even prayed. It took some convincing to get my dad and mom to even consider it. My mom was kind of hysterical about two people in her family going under the knife at the same time. Um, But eventually, um, my dad was willing to consult with the transplant team and see if he could be a candidate. He was in his early 80s, so the transplant surgeon was hesitant to agree, but eventually he said that if both my dad and I could pass the rigorous, and I mean rigorous, medical testing that would be required, um, that he would, he would go ahead. Well, now our dilemma was, is this really what God wants for us? Is this in his will? After much prayer, we asked God for a clear answer, and that was, if we passed the medical testing, that we would take that as God's answer of, yes, 
move ahead. Well, with that said, we agreed that we would move ahead without fear, trusting God to be in complete control. After months and months of testing and communication with the transplant team, I flew to Omaha in March of 2004 for the transplant, and it was a success. I was able to enter this adventure with no fear, as I knew we were completely protected by God's arms around us. This is truly an example of the Holy Spirit interceding for us when we were at a loss as to how we should pray. Interestingly enough, after research, the transplant team discovered that my dad was the oldest kidney transplant recipient in history. It was in the paper, and it was even on Paul Harvey's national radio program. If you don't know who that is, just check with Andy or I. We'll, we'll tell you about it. What, what was his phrase that he said? Now you know the rest of the story. The rest of the story, right. So uh, we didn't seek that publicity, but after that, our prayer was that someone might read it or hear it and then consider being um, a live donor. Now, I know, and I think you do too, that God always answers prayer. The answer might be yes, it might be no, it might be wait, or it might be, I've got something even better for you. He can answer prayer in ways much better than we could ever hope for. Many years ago, when I was going through a most difficult divorce, I was completely dependent on God because I had no other resources. All my family lived halfway across the country. They provided moral and prayer support, but they could not physically be with me. It turned out to be a good thing because I might have depended on them rather than depending on God. My children were young and in elementary school, so I knew I had to be strong for them and be a good witness for them through the struggle. Uh, daily, I would pray that that particular day would be one of peace without one more crisis to have to deal with. A prayer strategy that I initiated during this time is prayer journaling. Um, I did it on my computer, and it, I just kind of typed out my prayer concerns um, just kind of talking to God, but putting it on the computer. This helped me stay focused, and I could review my previous entries to see how God, who was, how God was loving me through the process. And I loved being able to check off prayer requests, and I would take a big R and put a circle around it every time um, a prayer request was answered. Um, since then, I have filled up many journal books, and I would recommend it. Journaling is a great way to document your ongoing relationship with God. Now, back to my story. There was an upcoming settlement meeting planned, and I fervently prayed that God would not allow me to say or do anything that would not honor him. I was very concerned that I would lose my temper, get angry, or break down in tears. Well, when my attorney and I arrived for the meeting, my, um, we were told that my husband did not want me to be present in the meeting. Well, my attorney expected me to be furious, but instead I was elated. How could I possibly say or do anything wrong if I couldn't even be in the meeting? 
<laughs> so God answered my prayer in a very creative way. Um, Andy has um, already reminded us that we spend way too much time uh, on intercession in our prayers, especially praying selfishly for ourselves. Well, I would like to suggest that when we make a request that we preface it with a thanksgiving because thanksgiving leads to peace. If you feel that you lack peace in your life, maybe with your job or your children or your marriage or your relationship with God, Spend more time in Thanksgiving. No matter how much chaos you have in your life, there's always something to be thankful for. And this one's for you, Andy. Even if that thing to be thankful for was that you didn't get angry when that stupid driver cut you <laughs> off. <sighs> oh, okay. Um, your attitude of gratitude will always lead to peace. In Philippians 4, 6 through 7, Paul tells us, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. Several of us in this fellowship of tapestry have been attending, attending table meetings. We've been discussing the vision of tapestry and what we would like tapestry to be known for. In Isaiah 56, 7, it says, um, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. It's my hope and prayer, and hopefully yours as well, that as we stretch ourselves in developing and strengthening our prayer lives and our intimacy with God, that others around us will see us as a group of Jesus followers who truly value our faith and the power of prayer. Let us be known in this community as a house of prayer. So, there you have it. Some experiences from people who aren't the pastor who's paid to pray. Um, and man, there is some good stuff there. It's a journey, right? Don't feel bad if you're not there. Um, you learn as much about yourself on the journey as you do in the destination. And I think God uses it to get you there. Some great, um, the journaling. I mean, that's huge to be able to go back because we have short memories, and to be able to go back and remember and see and read how God has worked in our life is an amazing, powerful thing um, to keep you motivated within your prayer. Um, wow, learning to be able to change your prayers of what you want uh, and allowing God to move you to it is some good stuff. So hopefully this week was, my goal was that it was an encouragement to you um, that wherever you're at, you can get to the next step and you can get to the next place. Um, and so hopefully you can take their stories of prayer and use them as encouragement in your own. Um, ladies, thank you so much for being willing to share with us this morning. Um, let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for just the rich depth um, that you have given this congregation and people like Thelma and Avril and Karen. And Lord, there's more um, that are a part of tapestry that could tell some amazing stories um, about their prayer. And I thank you for the journeys that you've led individual people on and for the strength that it gives 
um, our community here. Um, Father, let this have been an encouragement uh, as we begin to venture out more within our prayers. Father, we thank you um, for your mercy and for your grace in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us. We look forward to next week as we are going to get into a little bit of what do we do in prayer when it seems like God's not interested. <laughs>